Welcome to the Living a Naturally Healthy Life podcast with Delane ND, the podcast for people looking to correct chronic illnesses such as diabetes through lifestyle change. I'm Dr. Delane Vaughn. As a physician, I see many patients who are ill because of lifestyle decisions such as food choices. Typically, diseases such as diabetes are managed with pills or injections. This approach creates a vicious, expensive, and unhealthy cycle of medication and then more medication to address the negative side effects. As a physician, and a life coach, I work with clients to resolve their diseases, get off their medications, and live a naturally healthy life. If you don't like the healthcare system in America, I recommend you use less of it by being naturally healthy. So if you feel there has to be a better, more natural way to live a healthy life, you are in the right place. Hello and welcome to the podcast. You are listening to Reversing Diabetes with Delane MD. This is podcast episode number 113. I'm your host, Dr. Delane Vaughn. If you are looking for strategies to live a naturally healthy life, you are in the right place. Today we are talking about insulin resistance and dementia. This is podcast number three in a series of podcasts I'm doing about how insulin resistance affects more than just our diabetes. How reversing your diabetes really is going to impact all sorts of other areas of your life and up-level your health in so many other areas. I've already talked about insulin resistance and polycystic ovarian disease. I've already talked about insulin resistance and non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. Both of those are the last two podcasts I did, so today we are doing the connection between insulin resistance and dementia. Before we dive into that, I do want to let you know I have another free five-day session coming up October 11th through the 15th if you are interested you can sign up at my website. So what is this session about? This is teaching women with type 2 diabetes how to reverse their diabetes. It's a five-day session. There is an online component where you listen to videos, and then there are meetings with me where you get coaching so that you can learn how to get this fixed once and for all. So you can, again, you can go to my website, delanemd.com, and you can sign up there, or you can send me an email to delane at delanemd.com, and I will get you signed up. If you have any questions, don't hesitate to reach out to me through email. I'll answer anything. Before we get started about dementia, I do want to talk about next week in line with this series of podcasts talking about insulin and other diseases. We're going to be talking about insulin and inflammation next week. It's going to be awesome. So make sure you're hitting the subscribe button so you don't miss out on any of these podcasts. All right, let's dig in. So dementia, what is dementia? Dementia is really cognitive decline. In fact, they talk about cognitive decline as kind of like the precursor to dementia. Dementia includes, it's a broad diagnosis that includes a number of specific diseases. So things like Alzheimer's disease, that's probably the most common thing that most people know of that's dementia. It also includes other subtypes, things like Lewy body dementia or frontotemporal lobe degeneration or dementia. Parkinson's, Huntington's, all of these are dementia type diseases. Some of these subtypes have very clear differentiating factors, but they're all considered dementias. These symptoms must interfere with instrumental activities of daily living or basically the things that you do every day to take care of yourself or your home. There are specific tests that can be performed to diagnose the presence of clinical dementia. I'm not going to go into that, but recognize that is something we can do in the clinical setting. Today, I want to talk about the cause. I want to talk about, you know, what we know about the cause, what we think about the cause, what we're finding out about the cause. I want to talk about some hypothesized mechanisms, so some ideas about how they think the the dementia develops. And then I'm going to talk briefly about some of the different things 
are doing to treat this. And then I'm going to give you a book recommendation that I think is really amazing. So what they have thought, and when I went through training, I definitely learned this. It was the amyloid hypothesis of the cause of dementia. There is some um, controversy over whether this is really truly the sole issue that's going on. But basically, the amyloid hypothesis talks about the misfolding of proteins. So amyloid and then the other protein that misfolds is called a tau, T-A-U, protein. So basically, the brain makes these protein proteins, and then for some reason, they misfold. And that misfolding allows them to stack together and to build up plaques, so larger sheets or plaques of these misfolded proteins. They know that these are present in people with dementia, and they thought that these were the things that were leading to the symptoms. These plaques were leading to the symptoms of dementia. But the studies have really come out to be pretty controversial about the plaques and whether they're associated with the symptoms that we notice. So they've seen targeted therapies or they've done studies with targeted therapies to break down these plaques. And what they realized is that when they gave these therapies to dissolve these plaques, they did not see improvement in the dementia symptoms. So there was something not quite connecting there. In addition, they did post-mortem studies. So they took autopsied brains and they dissected them and looked at them. And they found that many people would have these plaques but have no symptoms, no reported symptoms, no diagnosis, nothing that family was worried about as far as symptoms of dementia. So this idea that these plaques are causing the dementia has not really fully panned out. And there's a lot of emerging evidence linking insulin with the development of dementia. So high insulin levels, this what I call hyperinsulinemia with the development of de- dementia. And that's what I really want to dig in today. So some of the mechanisms that I came across in my research for this include, number one, free fatty acid and their effect of inflammation on the brain. So we know that free fatty acids are made when we break down our adipose tissue through a process called lipolysis, and we create energy from those free fatty acids, right? We break down the the fat, our adipose tissue goes through this process of lipolysis, we get free fatty acids, and then we get water. Those free fatty acids are supposed to go to the mitochondria of the other cells in our body, not the adipose cells, but the other cells in our body. And the mitochondria, which is a cellular organelle, is supposed to turn those free fatty acids into energy. Boom. That should be how it works. But at some point, there's a some threshold where there becomes too many. The free fatty acid content in in the blood becomes too high. And those free fatty acids actually become inflammatory to the body and also to the brain. I think this is really interesting because I always try to encourage my clients to look for slow rates of weight loss. Don't look for that really rapid weight loss. And this is one of like, if this is what's going on, this is a really um, good piece of information to use that slow weight loss as a solid strategy for losing weight. So you're not getting above that threshold, you know, breaking down five pounds of fat in one day into free fatty acids and water, and then you have too much uh, free fatty acid in your blood, and then that goes out and becomes inflammatory in the body. So weight loss at a slow rate is actually probably totally the right thing to do. So these free fatty acids that run around our body causing inflammation in our body and also in our brain, that inflammation in our brain leads to the accumulation of these amyloid amyloid plaques that we see in the brains of patients with dementia. So that's the first mechanism that I thought was interesting. The second mechanism is called the age-rage effects. 
So AGEs, A-G-E, are advanced glycation end products. And then RAGEs are advanced glycation end product receptors. Okay, so AGEs are proteins or lipids. So proteins are fats in our bloodstream that become glycated. I'm going to go into what that is. But what causes them to become glycated is exposure to sugars or exposure to glucose-rich environments. So glycated means that there's a chemical bonding or a chemical attachment of a sugar, glucose glycated, right, of a sugar molecule to the protein or the lipid. Okay, and that, of course, comes from being overexposed to sugar or glucose being in these glucose-rich environments with our blood sugars constantly high. So these are associated, these ages and the rage, the combination of the two is actually even problematic. It's not just that they're a receptor, it's the binding of the advanced glycation end product to the receptor for the advanced glycation end product. Those are also problematic. And they're associated with many diseases of aging, things like degenerative diseases, dementia and Alzheimer's like we're talking about today, chronic kidney disease, atherosclerosis, these are things that cause heart disease and strokes, and then of course diabetes. So also, side note, for those of us that are vain, there is a lot of discussion out there that sugar is the cause of our skin looking old. And after learning, and I learned about ages and rages in med school and I knew they were bad, but kind of seeing the recent, you know, research associated with this, especially as it uh, pertains to diseases of aging, it makes a lot of sense that this is probably the component that's also making our skin look old. I'm not sure of the science on this entirely. I will continue to look into it and I will report as I know, but just to be safe, I have truly cut out most of the sugars from my diet because of this. Again, it's a vanity thing. I totally understand, but that's the way it rolls for me. So Recognizing these ages and rages are associated with diseases of aging and how they believe that these really affect the development of dementia is these ages and rages allow the blood-brain barrier to become more permeable. So it gets holes in it. It starts to allow things across into the brain from the blood that it's not meant to. So the blood-brain barrier is like a bouncer at a bar right? They are selective about who they let in. They can say no if they want to. They can say yes when they want to. You want the blood-brain barrier to be very selective about what it's allowing to the brain. When these ages and rages break down that blood-brain barrier and it becomes more permeable, suddenly we're allowing toxins into our brain that really aren't meant to be there. We're allowing things like um, uh, reactive oxidative species that are damaging to our tissues to our proteins to all sorts of things. We're allowing inflammatory markers from down in our body up into our brain, causing inflammation in our brain. And then of course, we're also getting more free fatty acids, like we just talked about a minute ago, into our brain. And we know that those are inflammatory. So it's thought that all of this getting into our brain causing inflammation, again, leads to this plaque development in the brain. Another mechanism that I read about was a mechanism uh, talking about insulin degrading enzymes. So insulin degrading enzymes are used to degrade insulin, but not just insulin. They're also used to degrade these beta amyloid or these amyloid beta plaques, these plaques in our brain. This, these enzymes, this class of enzymes actually breaks down those plaques in our brain. When there's insulin resistance going on, when we have too much insulin in our body and there's insulin resistance going on, there's a malfunction in these insulin degrading enzymes and they don't work as well. So that leads to more insulin in our brain, which we know is inflammatory. That leads to insulin resistance amongst the cells in our brain 
which is a problem, but in addition to that, it does not allow the clearance of these amyloid plaque plaques from developing. And of course, then we get more symptoms. We know there's an association with these and the symptoms of dementia. In addition to the insulin degrading enzyme being another mechanism, there is also the discussion about type 2 diabetes and obesity being associated with pro-inflammatory chemicals in our body. And we know this happens. Insulin is very inflammatory to the human body. And we know, and I'm going to talk about this next week, that the accumulation of adipose tissue in our body leads to inflammation also. I've already done a podcast on this. I'll do it again to kind of round out this series of podcasts that I'm doing. But we know that type 2 diabetes and obesity are associated with inflammation in the body. And due to, I mean, so there's a release of pro-inflammatory chemicals into the body. Because of the effect of the ages and the rages on the blood-brain barrier permeability, that allows these inflammatory agents to get into the brain and cause plaque development, which is, again, leading to increased symptoms of uh, dementia. In addition to that, there's also the ApoE4. So ApoE4 is a lipoprotein, and it's a, gen a genetic variant of a lipoprotein. There is a strong correlation between the development of Alzheimer's and having this specific genetic variant of a lipoprotein, so this ApoE4. So what we know is in type 2 diabetics, with the ApoE4 variant, the pathology of the development of Alzheimer's, so the disease-causing process, exacerbates in those patients. So if you are diabetic and you have ApoE4, you will have an exacerbated development of Alzheimer's disease. It also, we know that it interacts with the insulin receptor to make the insulin receptor less responsive to insulin in the neurons, so in the um, cells of the brain. So they used to believe that these plaques were the main cause of dementia. Again, this was the amyloid hypothesis, right? All the drugs were developed to target the plaques, right? Like we developed a bunch of drugs to target these plaques and we used them, but we didn't see any improvement in the symptoms of dementia. So now they're considering what's called a cumulative theory of dementia. And that looks at what's called allostatic load or the wear and tear that happens on the body. And it includes the negative impacts of our lifestyle, right? That's the allostatic load looks at the negative impacts of our lifestyle on our body. So unhealthy, we know unhealthy lifestyle will accelerate the detrimental effects of all aging. So the example that I read was the standard Western diet, it's high in sugars, high in fats, leads to what we call hippocampal atrophy. So the hippocampus is a part of the brain. And we know that the standard Western diet, or what I like to call the standard American diet, SAD, because I think that's so very appropriate, we know that that standard American diet will lead to shrinkage, atrophy of the hippocampus. And we know that this has been associated with symptoms of dementia, with the development of dementia symptoms. So this new hypothesis looks at many different factors, the unhealthy lifestyle, what we eat, smoking, lack of physical activity, alcohol use, all of these things. The last piece of information I'm going to share with you from my research is really specific to the work I do with the ladies in my group. So the Delane MD program helps women with type 2 diabetes reverse that disease. We do this by lowering insulin levels. In this research, I realized what a connection there is between metabolic disease, insulin resistance, and dementia. One of the specific findings said that women of advanced ages, so not young women necessarily, but women who are older, tend to show faster deterioration of their cognitive abilities when insulin is, resistance is present compared to their male counterparts. So women will actually decline quicker than men who are also insulin resistant and of the same age. So the fact that what I'm doing is helping women reverse this insulin resistance 
it again, it doesn't just treat your diabetes. It treats so many other areas of your life. It's really so impactful. And, and, you know, I call it the accumulation of better biology, but it really goes so much farther than just your blood sugars. So most of the drugs that we use to treat dementia in the past have really relied on treating the symptoms. However, due to this connection with insulin resistance and dementia, they're starting to do investigations on using medications that impact insulin sensitivity as a main treatment for dementia. So you'll probably see those coming out. Um, there is a great book called uh, The End of Alzheimer's by Dale Bredesen. In his book, he talks about how there are really no great treatments. We are not doing anything fabulous with medications and dementia. Um, the meds that we do have that are approved aren't getting really great results. And the meds that we have in development aren't getting approved because they're getting more side effects than they're having benefits. So he will actually tell you that there's not a lot of great meds. So don't hold out on meds. That's certainly what I would promote. Also, I would promote making lifestyle changes so that you don't have to deal with this disease later in life. But this book by Dale Bredesen, The End of Alzheimer's is a great book. Dr. Bredesen's name is B as in boy, R-E-D as in dog, E-S as in Sam, E-N as in Nancy. I highly recommend it. It goes into many areas of your life where you can really clean up your lifestyle to avoid cognitive decline before it starts or to improve it after it's already begun. We have a lot of agency over these diseases that for so long we thought were just destined to because of our genetics. And I would offer you that that is not the fact at all. That is not the truth. With, if the body is given half of a chance, it will go to healing. It will fix itself. We just have to stop offending it with the things that we're doing to our body. That is what I help the women in my group do. I help women with type 2 diabetes really reverse this diabetes problem and in turn get all of these other benefits in their life. If that's something you're needing, if that's something you think would help you, reach out to me, send me a message, Delane at DelaneMD.com. We'll set up time we can talk. If you want to see more about what I'm about, go to my website, DelaneMD.com and sign up for the five-day program and you can see exactly what it is to work with me for reversing your diabetes and having the benefit that goes far beyond your diabetes. So that's a free five-day program. It's coming up in the middle of October. Send me a message if you're interested. Go to my website, sign up for it that'll be there for you. That's all I have for you this week. I hope you found it helpful. If you have any questions, never hesitate to reach out to me, Delane at DelaneMD.com. I will get back to you and I will talk to you guys next week. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe and share with your friends and family. Also leave me a review. If you want to resolve your diabetes naturally without any pills or injections, I can help you. Visit DelaneMD.com for more information. Click on the work with me tab, send me a message, and we can set up a mini coaching session. You guys have a great week. I'll talk to you soon.